Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, amen. Can we give a hand clap of praise for our Lord and Savior this morning? Can we do that? <clears throat> amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out, please, and go to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, as we are uh, in our series, nearing the end of our series called Life Under the Sun, the study through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. We look at chapter 10 this morning, and I've titled today's message, Do the Right Thing. Say that with me. Do the Right Thing. Um, several years ago, um, in um, I think it was 1983 to 1987, um, I think the greatest TV show ever made was aired on NBC. Let me see if you know what this is. Here, here's a little clue. Here, let's see a picture of it right here. Anybody know what that is? That's the greatest band in TV show history. Isn't that right? Next to the Mystery Machine, Scooby-Doo. But this is, what is this TV show? It's the, it's the A-Team. And the A-Team, it starred one of the world's greatest characters right there. That's me. <laughs> After our workout, that's me. But that is, uh, we know him as Mr. T. And Mr. T starred um, in this TV show called The A-Team. And, and Mr. T... Uh, has one of TV or, or movie theater, one of the greatest lines in all of movie and TV show history. Mr. T said what? You know it. I pity the fool. I pity the fool. Now, what's interesting, and I had to do some mega research on this. This was fun research right here. But the phrase, I pity the fool, Mr. T never said that during the TV show, The A-Team. He never said it. So where did Mr. T's phrase, I pity the fool, come from? Well, it came from another movie or a movie that Mr. T starred in alongside of Sylvester Stallone and the greatest movie series ever called Rocky. Rocky Three. And in Rocky III, Mr. T, who is known as Clubber Lang, isn't that a great name? That's what I think you should name your next son, Clubber Lang. Well, Clubber Lang, Mr. T, is about to fight Rocky, Rocky Balboa. And in a pre-fight interview, Clubber Lang answers a question. And he answers the question this way, and he said this, I don't hate Rocky Balboa, but I pity the fool. One of the greatest lines ever. I pity the fool. And the interviewer then said this, okay, what is your prediction for this fight? And I think one of the greatest scenes in all of movie history, maybe exaggerating just a little bit, Clubber Lang, Mr. T, then looked directly into the TV camera and he said this, I expect pain, nothing but pain. Oh, it's a great line. Can't you just, can't you just feel it? This is a great line. And you put those two phrases together from Clubber Lang, Mr. T. He said, I pity the fool, Rocky Balboa, because he's about to experience what? Pain. 
What Clubber Lang, Mr. T, did not realize was this. I pity the fool is a great theological statement. It is a theological statement that the Bible says this. The Bible says so much about wisdom and about foolishness. And the Bible will say, I pity the fool. I pity the fool because he who is a fool will experience pain. Well, here in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, Solomon, in all of his Mr. T lingo, says to you and I, I pity the fool who chooses to do the wrong thing. Because if you choose to do the wrong thing, you are going to experience pain. Now, for those of you who have been with us through this whole sermon series, you, you'll know this, that uh, in chapters 1 through 8 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, um, the great teacher, preacher, Koheleth that we learn from Ecclesiastes 1, he's called together an assembly. He's called together a group of men, and he's, he's one to explain the meaning of life. But he explains the meaning of life as life under the sun, which means without God. Meaning, can you really find meaning in this life without God separate from a creator? And in chapters 1 through 8, Solomon gives his biography as he tries to find meaning without God, and ultimately he cannot find meaning without God. Well, in chapter 9, Solomon all of a sudden changes. He gives a conclusion to his previous eight chapters. So in chapters 9, 10, and 11, 12, they're conclusions. And if you were with us last week, we said this, and Solomon said this in chapter 9. He said this, that my conclusion is this, that we need to enjoy the life that God has given us and eat dessert. Amen? How many of you ate dessert this past week? You're welcome. He said, enjoy life. Eat dessert. You're going to die anyways. Just enjoy life. Well, this time in chapter 10, he's going to tell us, you do the right thing. You enjoy life. You eat that dessert. But you still, you do the right thing. You do the wise thing. Because if you do not, the Bible promises this, that I pity that fool. I pity the fool who does the wrong thing because you are going to experience pain. Well, let's look at chapter 10, verse 1. I want you to write this down. Doing the right thing is always better than the wrong thing. Solomon's going to tell us here in verse 1, doing the right thing is always better than the wrong thing. Look at verse number 1. He's going to tell us that doing the wrong thing can tear down all the good that you have ever done. Verse number 1. And you'll probably always remember this verse from this sermon. Verse 1, and it begins, dead flies. Isn't that a great beginning? Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. And you stop at verse number 1, and you have to ask yourself this question. What in the world is he talking about? What dead flies, oil, wisdom, honor, foolishness, what is this, what is he talking about? Well, uh, I happen to believe that, that chapter 10 and chapter 9 actually run together. I think it could have been just one chapter, but they didn't ask me, you know what I'm talking about? I think they could have just flowed a little bit better that way. So in order for us to understand what Solomon is talking about, flip back to chapter 9. 
In chapter 9, Solomon says this in verse number 18. Uh, Pick up and it says this, wisdom is better than weapons of war. And here's what he says, but one sinner, what does he do? He destroys much good. You get the picture? Solomon says, all it takes is one. All it takes is one sinner to destroy much good. I'm sure you've heard the saying, it goes something like this, it takes a lifetime to develop a reputation, but only a second to ruin it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It takes years to develop a godly reputation, and it only takes seconds to ruin it. Now here's a question for you. Do you think Solomon understands the whole reputation thing? Do you think he understands how how it takes years to develop a reputation, then it only takes moments to let it all fall away? Remember this about Solomon. Solomon, he's an older man at this point. He's talking to a younger crowd, probably men. He says, guys, listen to me. It takes years to develop a reputation. It takes moments, seconds to wipe it clean. Think about the Solomon. He is the, the king of Israel. One of the responsibilities of the king of Israel is he was to copy God's law. He was to write it down every year to know it. Solomon knew God's law. Solomon led the Israelites to obey God. He gained the reputation of being the wisest man to ever live, but then Solomon gave it all away by choosing to love women who did not love the one true God. Do you think Solomon understands this? Do you think Solomon understands that a dead fly can cause a perfume to stink? You bet he does. He knows exactly what he is saying to this younger generation. And he says this, all it takes is just one bad thing to destroy all the good things that you can work for. A little fly can, can, can ruin an entire batch of perfume. That's true, isn't it? I mean, you've experienced this. You go out to eat dinner at a nice, fancy restaurant. The dinner, the server, the waitress, <clears throat> the waiter comes and brings the plate of food to you. You've been waiting for this for so long. You start eating, then all of a sudden, you see a string of hair. Are you with me? You see that string of hair, and what do you do? You give it back, right? Like, I'm not eating this. I mean, it is, this is not a good, good meal because it's been, it's been ruined by something so little. Well, in ancient times, it was a science to be a perfumer. Took a lot of skill, took a lot of patience, took a lot of time. Well, in the Near East, um, flies were, were prevalent, and so many times a fly would land in the oil. When it would land in the oil, the perfume, it couldn't escape, and thus it would die. And then Solomon says, this dead fly spoils the oil. The, the Hebrew text literally reads this. I, I love this. The text literally says, makes stink, makes bubble up. I like that. You know, it causes the stench to pour forth. One commentator said this, a little folly can display itself as mightier and more glorious than wisdom. How big is a fly? It's not big, is it? Let me give you another example of a story that I heard from a friend of mine. A friend of mine told me this, recounted the story the time that he was making a, a, big, a big bowl of, 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 of gumbo for his friends. And this recipe uh, for gumbo included beer, a.k.a. sweet tea. <laughs> so he had to pour beer into the gumbo, but my friend was also a dipper. 
You know where I'm going with this? Southern Baptist sweet tea and another can for his spit can. He got confused. And I remember him telling this story. He remembered the second the spit hit the gumbo. What do you think he did next? Do you think he said, dinner's ready? It's just a little bit of spit. What did he say? No, it's what? It's ruined. All of it is gone. Well, Solomon says it only takes a little bit. Are you with me? Young people, students, college students, middle school, high school, are you, it, it only takes a little bit. It only takes a little folly to mess up your entire life. And Solomon says it only takes just a little bit. Let, let me give you a couple of examples, a couple of names of a lifetime of wisdom, what we think would be wisdom or goodness, and it only took a little bit to ruin them. How about this? Just happened recently. Ravi Zacharias. Many of you in this room were watching, you looked up to Ravi and some foolishness. Are you with me? How about this name? How about Bill Cosby? I grew up watching the Cosby show. Right? A little foolishness will ruin your entire life. And Solomon says, doing the right thing is always better than the wrong thing. He says, when you do the wrong thing, it will tear down everything that you have done. Not only will it tear down what you have done, when you do the wrong thing and you act like a fool, it actually leads you in the wrong direction. Look at verse number two. Verse number two, Solomon says this, a wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Yep, a lot of you saying, I knew it. <laughs> well, don't mean to burst your bubble here, but the context, this is not a political statement. It would be nice. It would work out in our worldview, would it not? But that's not a political worldview. I mean, it's not a political statement. He's not talking about conservative and liberal Republican and Democrat. That's, that's not what he's talking about. Sure seems like it, but it's not. You see, in Israel, the right hand was the place of strength, skill, favor, and blessing. It's the right hand. Um, David said this in, in Psalm 16. He said, God, he, the Father, he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Jesus sits where? the right hand of the Father. In Matthew chapter 25, when we read of Jesus telling us what is going to take place at the end judgment, Jesus says this, that he will, he will separate the sheep and the goats. He said, and I will set the sheep on my right, and I will place the goats on my left. And so the right hand is blessing. 
It's goodness. It's favor. It's, it's strength. But, but the left hand, the left hand was considered to be, to, be, to be weakness. As a matter of fact, we get our English word sinister. Isn't that a great word? Sinister from the Hebrew word that means left. Anybody in here left-handed this morning? Don't you feel good? You are weak and you are sinister. Amen, that's so good. That's what that means right here, right? But have you ever heard the phrase, you know, I can beat you left-handed? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Well, what does that mean? That means I can beat you with my unskilled hand. And, and, and Solomon says, says this, as he begins to compare wisdom and foolishness, Wisdom, it's, it's, it's on the right. Of foolishness, it's on the left. Um, when you look into the Hebrew and you look at the words that Solomon is using here in, 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 in Ecclesiastes 10, uh, for the word wise, Solomon used the Hebrew word chokmah. I want you to say that with me, but you've got to really, it's, it's a, it's an, in Hebrew, it's called a guttural, which means it starts in your gut. And when you say it, it means you cause the hair on the back of somebody's head in front of you to move. Chokma, say it. Did that person's hair move? That's, this is what he's using. He's saying it's 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 chokma. It's it's wisdom, and it literally means to see life from God's point of view. To see what the Creator, the one true living God, to see from His point of view, and then to live according to it. That's wisdom. It's you know the truth and then you and then you live it. Wisdom is doing the right thing according to God's truth. John Calvin said this about wisdom. True wisdom consists principally of two parts: the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Vance Havner, a pre great preacher of old, said this: if you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Knowledge is not wisdom, but wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. That's pretty good. One commentator said this, and I think this is great. We can get information online from Google, but wisdom is from on high from God. I think that's great. That's wisdom. Wisdom, favor, blessing, strength, doing it God's way, seeing, God's, uh, seeing life from God's point of view, and then living according to that. Well, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. There are multiple words, Hebrew words for fool. There's about five or six or seven different words for, uh, for fool in, in Hebrew. One of the Hebrew words for fool is the word evil. Does that sound familiar? That's where we get our English word evil. Are you, are you getting the picture? Are you getting a picture of what the Bible says? L let me share some things with you what the Bible says about the foolish person. Students, I, I pray that you listen this morning. Middle school, high school, college, young people, I pray that you listen. Doesn't mean older people can stop listening. But just listen to what the Bible says about the foolish person, the one who chooses the left. The foolish person will come to ruin. Proverbs 10, 14 says this, wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish ruin as at the hand. The foolish person has a rebellious attitude. Psalm 107, 17 says this, fools suffer affliction because of their rebellious ways. Fools refuse instruction. Proverbs 15, 5 says this, a fool rejects his father's instruction. Proverbs 14 says that fools are reckless. It says a wise man is cautious, turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and careless. 
Proverbs 12, 15 says that fools are arrogant. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to wise counsel. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says that fools are argumentative. It says any fool will argue. Are you getting a picture of what the Bible's painting between wisdom and foolishness? You choose wisdom, God's way, his point of view of life, and to live according to that, you go down the right way. You choose foolishness, you go down the left way. Look at verse number three. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. I mean, Solomon is not holding anything back, is he? Have you ever heard the phrase, if it walks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it must be a... Yeah. And that saying implies, and I want you to hear me out on this because our culture teaches us something different today. That saying implies that you can look at somebody, look at their characteristics, observe what they do, and make a pretty good idea of what's going on in their life. Are you with me? For example, if you, if you tell lies constantly, what are you called? A liar. If you steal, what are you called? If you cheat, what are you called? A cheater. Solomon says this, Solomon says this, I can look at your life, I can tell what is going on in your life by how you talk, how you walk, and who you're spending time with. Now, I know when we say that, when we read that, I know that culture rises up against that. Because what does culture say? That's judging, right? Are you with me? Well, you can't judge. That's what you Christians do. You just judge people. You're just judging people. Oh, really? Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse... Uh, Verses 15 through 20, and I'm just going to pick a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 7. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins his first public discourse. He's 30 years old. He begins to speak publicly for the very first time. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7 um, is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, it's the Beatitudes. Chapter 6, we see Jesus talking about we need to give to the poor, we need to pray. And in chapter 7... He says, you know what, let me talk to you about about trees and their fruit. Look at verse number 15. And Jesus says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You will know them. Who? The wolves, the false teachers, the false prophets. You will know them. You will know them by their what? Fruits. What does that mean, Jesus? Well, he tells us. He says, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, are they? Nor figs gathered from thistles, are they? No. Verse 17. So every good tree bears what? Good fruits. But every bad tree, it bears bad fruits. And verse number 20, then Jesus concludes, so then you will know them by their what? Fruits. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I can tell you what kind of tree you are by your fruit. 
Are you with me? Jesus says, I can tell what's going on. It's exactly what Solomon is saying. I can tell you what's going on. Now, judging gets when you begin to make some kind of statement about that person regarding their fruit. Does that make sense? It's when you take it to the next level. Observing people by the fruit is this, you're saying, nope, this is what I see in your life. And I can tell you as a pastor, um, a, a lot of times I can see what's going on in your own personal life just by mere observation. Are you with me? I just observe, and I can see. And I'm not the only one, but you can do that as well. And this is what Solomon is talking about. Solomon says, listen, we can see what's going on in your life, and if you are walking, students, listen, students, <laughs> parents know when you're going through a bad time. They know it. They see it. They sense it. We can see it on your face. Like a lot of times when I preach, I can see if uh, you're awake or not. <laughs> I can see it. We know what's going on. You can't hide. You can't hide. And Solomon says, listen, when you're making foolish decisions, I promise you, we can see it. You can't hide it. And the point is, there's no reason to hide. The fool will try to hide this. So Solomon says, we will know you by your fruit. And so Solomon says, you do the right thing. You do the right thing. You do the right thing because it's always better. If you don't do the right thing, if you do the wrong thing, you're going to tear everything down. You will be identified as a fool. And you'll be walking in the wrong direction. So he says to these young men in the midst of a crazy world, a world that's gone mad, he says, you still do the right thing. You choose wisdom. You choose the right way, and it's going to turn out good for you. The second thing Solomon is going to tell us and begins in verse number four, and I want you to write this down. Doing the right thing means learning to persevere. When you do the right thing, there is something called perseverance. Meaning as followers of Christ Jesus, you are called to persevere. You're called to stand firm. Look at verse number four. If the ruler's temper rises against you, look what it says, go and protest. Do you see that? Clearly you see that, right? No, you don't. It says, do not abandon your position. Why? Because composure allies great offenses. What, he, what he's saying is this. He's saying the foolish person who's, choosing to go, who's chosen to go to the left and go against God's wisdom, the foolish person lacks self-control and easily quits. Easily quits. The foolish person gives up too quickly. Oh, well, my boss is mad at me. Well, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to leave and I'm going to walk out the door. I'm going to tell him I'm going to quit. Now you're jobless. Congratulations. That's what fools do. That's what Solomon is saying. Now, in context, Solomon is referencing to, to bad bosses and he is referencing to bad political leaders. Solomon is saying, can you live in a culture, a time where you have bad bosses and bad political leaders? Yes, you can. 
But he says, even if you do have that, you remain calm. You remain calm. Boy, this, this, I can stay here all morning right here, can't I? And I'll be honest with you. So a lot of things have been going on in the city north of Brunswick, Georgia, several hundred, maybe a thousand miles, I don't know. How close is Washington, D.C.? Oh, I said it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that I don't agree with. But it does me no good to throw a temper tantrum. Are you with me? It does me no good. It does us no good. Because Solomon says, you remain calm. Proverbs 15, verse 1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. James chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. The writer of Hebrews says this, Don't throw away your confidence, but you remain uh, persevering. You stay steadfast, for you have need of endurance. Listen, believer in Jesus Christ, young to old, the Bible teaches us perseverance. It, it teaches us it teaches us to walk through the valley of shadow of death that we fear no evil. Are you with me? It teaches us, the Bible teaches us to, to, to persevere through difficult times. We, we persevere. We don't, we remain calm. A good, um, a, a podcast that I've been listening to recently, it's one I recommend everyone to listen to, it's called Just Thinking Podcast, led by Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. Um, the purpose of the podcast is to apply big, biblical truth to social, political, and theological issues in our world. This past week, the title of their podcast was Activist Theology. Well, that piqued my interest right there. And... Um, and they said this, and these are Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker are two African-American godly men. And they said this, that the protest we see today, the burning and the looting and the craziness. Are you with me? Are you with me? They said this, these are unlike the peaceful protest of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And they said this, and I quote, the protest we see today are nothing short of grown-ups throwing temper tantrums. <laughs> I hit the like button a thousand times on that. And Solomon would agree with that as well. Solomon says this, you will not always get your way. Isn't that right? You will not always get your way. There's a saying that I saw on a meme, and it said, and it said this, um, um, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I just said suck it up in a sermon. <laughs> but, the mean, but the meaning of that is it's life. Are you with me? Yeah, it's life. Things happen. Persevere. Stand firm, be strong. Don't throw it all away. Just 
calm down, it's going to be okay. Solomon says this to young men who are trying to make a name for themselves, who are trying to raise a family, who are trying to make money, they're living in a world that they want to do it God's way, but, but people are pulling them, and he tells them, just relax, calm down. There's no reason to get, to get, to get so excited that you begin to do things that, that are unwise, and if you do things that are unwise, it will wipe out your reputation that you spent years already trying to build. He says, just calm down. Now, why can we calm down? Well, he tells us in verse number five, and I want you to write this down. Doing the right thing does not keep bad things from happening. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not the prosperity gospel. Let me tell you a real quick story. Can I do that? I'm going to anyway, so. Um, several, several years ago, I was uh, in seminary. I had to take a class, and it was on different religions, you know, learning all those. And we had to go observe a worship service of a different religion, different denomination, and what for, and so forth. So I did, and I went to a prosperity gospel church. It was awesome, fun, exciting, alive. And then the preacher spoke, <laughs> and I wept because I remember, I remember this clearly. It was in Dallas, Texas, and... Um, I'd remember the preacher speaking, and he started to give this illustration that if you're in an airplane, and if you're a Christian, and that airplane up in midair starts to have engine trouble and starts to go down, he says, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will not, that plane will not go down. And the sad thing is, people said, Amen. The Bible never promises you, what's the saying, a rose garden? It never does. It doesn't. It's hard. Bad things happen. Look at verse 5. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. What Solomon is saying is sometimes bad leaders rule, and sometimes leaders make great errors. Amen? That happens. And sometimes it looks like the bad guys hurt the good guys. I mean, does it hurt when fools are in leadership and in authority? Look at your name and say, absolutely it does. I mean, it, it, it hurts. Let me give you some names from history about bad leaders. Hitler. Stalin. Idi Amin from Uganda. These men wiped out generations. But you know what Solomon in the Word of God says? You still do the right thing. You still do the wise thing. Look at verse number 6. Solomon now talks about a country that is living upside down because of poor political leadership. Verse 6, he says this, Folly is set in many exalted places while rich men sit in humble places. Verse 7, I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. Can that really happen in this world? Can incompetent people become major leaders? 
turn my page. Yes, it can. But Solomon says, you do the right thing. You do the right thing. You stay calm. You choose wisdom. Well, Solomon, why should we choose wisdom? Look at verse number eight. I want you to write this down. We're going to close. Doing the right thing will give you a better advantage of being successful. That's what he says. Look at verse number eight. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. Kind of sounds like a fortune cookie reading, doesn't it? Turn it over and you have your uh, lottery numbers. That's what I've been told. (laughs) By some deacons, but that's okay. (laughs) He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through the wall. Question, can something bad happen to you when you do something good? Of course it can. Of course it can. What Solomon's saying, it's life. And he's saying, you don't sue the shovel company because you dug a hole with their shovel and you fell into that hole and hurt yourself. That's what he's saying. It happens. That that happens. Verse 9, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs, he may be endangered by them. Can something bad happen when you're working? Yes, it can. Verse 10, if the axe is dull and you do not sharpen its edge, then you must exert more strength. Now, in, in, in Solomon's day, when you, when, you, uh, when you made an axe, you had this, this piece of wood, and you put a notch in it um, to put this, 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 the axe, the iron on it, and you tied some rope around it. It wasn't very strong. So if a man or woman, I want to be politically correct, starts trying to axe, hit something, chop down a tree, and if they don't sharpen the edge, you have to hit it harder and harder. It raises the potential that the head of that axe is going to fly off. And if you know, in one of the laws in Leviticus, it says this about accidental killings. And it references this when, let's say, the axe head falls off and you accidentally kill somebody. What Solomon is saying is this. Sharpen the edge. Be wise in how you work. Are bad things going to happen? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you go be lazy and that you depend on stimulus checks. It means you work. You are created for that. You are created to work and you are created to be wise. Look at the end of verse 10. Because wisdom has the advantage of giving success. You want to be a success in life or the closest thing possible to it? Then Solomon says, you do the right thing. But we need to remember that the Bible is not as much interested in our success in this life as it is where in the next life because there's more to this life than what we have let me close with this Um, yesterday I attended a funeral 
of a 26-year-old man. He was the son of a pastor friend of mine. He was a PK, a pastor's kid. As a matter of fact, the, the pastor is the senior pastor at Frederica Baptist Church on St. Simon's. Mike and I are good friends, and anytime a pastor hurts, I hurt for them. Anytime their children are hurt, I hurt for them because I have children. And you all know this. This is a great tragedy of the world. One thing that I would like to ask God, why do children die before their parents? Are you with me? (laughs) One of the worst things that can happen. So I'll go to the funeral yesterday uh, to support my friends, to support a fellow pastor. And to my surprise, the dad preached his son's funeral. As you can imagine, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. This preacher's son, this dad's son, died of a drug overdose last Sunday. They were raised in Thailand as International Mission Board missionaries. Are you getting the picture? He was raised in the church. He was raised knowing God's ways. But but drugs just overtook him. And then the dad stood up and, and said these words. He said, my son, he made a poor choice. He made a poor choice and he's no longer here. And as he said that, I just couldn't help but think of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. That you never know what will happen to you because of that poor choice you make. This dad said, my son did not wake up that morning choosing, you know what, I'm going to die today. But he made a poor choice, and he died. But then the dad said this. (laughs) He said, but through it all, God is still good. Mm. He said, God is still good. He said, God is still good because I know for a fact that my son was a believer in Jesus Christ. And one day I'll get to see him again. He said, I hurt like crazy now. But I know, I know that God is good. And that's what I'll hold on to. Mr. T said, I pity the fool because you'll experience pain. Solomon, Solomon said, choose wisdom. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and Jesus says, I want you to know that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I 
am wisdom. Today, choose wisdom. And wisdom is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You may be a non-believer here today, and I want to tell you this, choose Christ. Choose Christ. Pastor, you don't understand, I've got habits, I've got hurts, I've got mess-ups. You know what? Choose Christ. Choose Christ. No, no, you you don't understand, Pastor. No, 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 I have to stop. No, no, choose Christ. Believer today, choose Christ. Pastor, you don't know the hurt that I'm going through. I don't, but choose Christ. Pastor, you you, you don't understand. You're right, I don't. I don't. But all I know is that wisdom is choosing Christ. Because Paul said this later in the New Testament, he said this, Christ is our wisdom. Today, young people, middle school, high school, college students, choose Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are good. And so many times that's all that we can hold on to. But today that's what we hold on to. We say, you are good. I pray, Father, that this morning somebody will choose Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.